Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. are open, effective today in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which means there's ample time to gear up and think about and possibly even purchase tickets to watch the Pirates this summer at PNC Park. How many will do that? I think the answer is going to surprise some people. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Offer up one of these every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning, if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. And yeah, the Penguins are playing the Flyers at PPG Paints Arena tonight. I'll be covering that game. And there's going to be 2,800 fans or so. The new state guidelines are that if it's an outdoor venue, you can have 20% capacity. If it's indoor, because of the easier spread of the pandemic, it's 15%. So PNC Park holds, it depends on your viewpoint. There's 36,000 actual seats. They list the capacity as 38,356. I can tell you right now that you got to be in there like sardines to be 38,000 plus. Uh, you've got to be filling up every inch of the rotunda out by the security building beyond the bullpens inside the fenced area uh, of the Roberto Clemente wall. And if you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the actual inside of it uh, jammed up into the right field corner. It's You're breaking fire marshal rules by putting that many in. It's really a 36,000-seat place. Depending on how strictly this thing gets enforced and depending on what constitutes 20% of the stadium, meaning do the players count, do all of the, you know, umpires, team officials, equipment guys, people like me in the media... Uh, Do we count toward that figure? Uh, I've heard in the past that we have. One way or another, you're probably looking at around 7,000. You're probably looking at that many people being spread through the stadium for the home opener April 8th against the Cubs. And go ahead and crack all the boring jokes about how that's all they'd get anyway and whatever else. Man, everyone thinks they're original with this stuff. It's amazing. Like it, The same exact concept occurs to everyone when they hear this, and everyone thinks they're going to be the first to break it onto the scene. <laughs> Unbelievable. There's going to be 7,000 people at the home opener. I am guessing, and that's all this can be right now is a guess, that you're going to see pretty close to capacity for as long as these restrictions or any restrictions are in place. Hang with me here because I can I can 
I can feel your eyes rolling back into your head as I say this. Let me tell you a couple of things about the way tickets are sold in the professional sports business, but specifically within Major League Baseball. There's a myth out there that's pervading, that's dominant, that people buy tickets based on how the team did the night before, based on how they feel that afternoon after checking the weather or something. The fact of the matter is, and I do mean fact, this information I'm about to give you here is data-driven. Game day sales, meaning tickets bought for a game that night or that day at your ballpark of choice, account for roughly 1% of all sales over the course of an entire year. 1%. If the Pirates themselves ever have a walk-up sale or game day sale of more than 1,000, it's considered a monumental event. And again, spare the jokes, because I'm, I'm referring now to when the crowds were good, when the team was good. So it's never about that. What it's about is buying tickets in advance. And you buy tickets in advance either as part of a season ticket plan or as part of a group plan. Again, all of this has to be done well in advance. The normal Major League Baseball team in a normal setting, so let's say you know the Pirates, when they're decent in Pittsburgh, they know in February and March what their attendance is going to be for the whole year. They have they can come within a hundred thousand, and I mean they can just nail it down. Now the team can shock the world, and there can be you know some massive trade that gets everybody all geeked up or whatever. But you're just not going to see many surprises. As a result, this pandemic and the effect that it's going to have on the 2021 season is going to result in what's known in the business as ticket tension. And if you think about the term, you'll know right away what I'm referring to here, just logically. If you know there aren't many seats available, you're going to be more inclined to buy further in advance or to buy a program like a season plan or a group thing that you might not otherwise buy because you want to be assured that you'll be in there at some point, right? Just do me a favor. I, I know you're thinking about the quality of the team. Set it aside for a second. That's not what this is about, and I really don't think it'll be a factor here. On top of that, you have an already small capacity at PNC Park in normal times. It's either the smallest or the second smallest capacity in the majors, depending on who you believe about the exact capacity of Fenway Park. But it's really small by baseball standards, by big league standards. And now you have this restriction. At Dodger Stadium, they are currently selling single-game plans at roughly $8,000 a, a seat. Not for, not for the season, for a game. Now, the Dodgers are obviously an extreme example. Coming off buying a World Series and being in L.A., the nation's second largest market where there's a lot of money and everything else here, they know they can squeeze that kind of money out of just enough people to make it matter, so they do it. But the point stands. 
there's a sense that, wow, the only way I'm going to get in there is if I jump on it. And it's a hot ticket. Now, no one can think of the pirates as a hot ticket with a straight face. Um, at least not in terms of the product, the 2021 product. Even if Ben Charrington is adopting the exact right approach for the future of this franchise, and I obviously believe that he is, as I've made clear here many times, that's not going to be on sale uh, for you to watch at PNC Park this summer. You're not going to see Nick Gonzalez. You're not going to see Quinn Priester. Uh, You're not going to see Kumar Rocker if they draft him. You're not going to see the guys that are going to really represent the core of the future of this team other than Cabrian Hayes, like as, meaning as a, as a deadlock certainty. So they don't have that to sell. They're not going to have much success. I'll try to find a nice word for it here. They're, they're not going to be a particularly competitive baseball team this summer. But I just don't think it'll matter. I really don't. I really don't. Because we, as a society, have been so cooped up, so locked in, so told what we can't do, where we can't go, what we can't watch, where we can't sit, that the idea of a day or a night out at the ball game, where even if you're concerned about, you know, lingering aspects of the virus or if there might be a jerk nearby who doesn't wear a mask or whatever else, even if you're worried about that, you're still outdoors. You're still outdoors where... Even the most ill-informed person knows that you've got much less of a chance of getting an airborne virus if you're outside. You got a chance to go to the ball game, man. You know, I mean, that's, uh, it's not going to be the same. You know, you are going to wear a mask. You are going to have spaces between you and the next clump of people. Uh, You're going to have, instead of popcorn and cotton candy, you're going to go back to the concession stand and see contactless uh, boxes of food to be sold. It's not the same thing. It's not the same experience. But you know what? When the seventh inning comes along, you can still stand up and sing, take me out to the ball game. And you can still sit at the best ballpark in America. And you can still see the most beautiful city on the planet right across the river. And I think that's going to be enough, more than enough, when it's combined with this ticket tension stuff to allow the Pirates to sell way more tickets than what most people think they'll be able to this summer. It's it's different. It's different. And I'm not building this up as if it's some great potential triumph for the franchise. But I don't think it's going to be the disaster that some are already predicting. When we come back, just one question. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome 
Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and leave it right there in comments. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Open for business. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. And today's Just One Question comes from Super Bowl 43, who says, DK, I love the direction Ben Charrington's taken. However, there are two criticisms that resonate with me. One, why did he wait so long to make the trades that he did? Did it really take an entire year to evaluate the players that he traded? Weren't most of these guys known commodities? Two, did Charrington also delay our rebuild by focusing on top talent so far away from the majors? Could he not have gotten elite talent a little closer to the show? Um, those are very different questions. I'll answer the second one first because I could not disagree with the premise behind it more strongly. If you want to get talent that's closer to the show, you want Neil Huntington back. Uh, maybe the Pirates can put you in contact with him to come and oversee your baseball team so that he can trade away Garrett Cole for three players close to the show because that's what he got with Joe Musgrove, Colin Moran, and Michael Feliz. If that's your cup of tea, go nuts. This is the way trades are made in baseball. Guys close to the show don't have ceilings. You actually do know what they are, and you know what they're going to be. So... Let's dispense with that one right away and, 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 and tackle your other question instead. Why did he wait so long to make the trades that he did? Didn't he have time to look this over? The answer, and I've gotten this directly from, from Ben himself, as I've asked him that myself, why he didn't just come in and immediately push the plunger. Even before the pandemic hit and the season was going to get short, cut short and everything else here, he was determined to watch these guys for at least half of the 2020 season, meaning if it had been a normal year, 162 games, all that other stuff. Because then he would have seen what he had in uh, Josh Bell, in some of the starting pitchers, some of the starting pitchers' health. He would have seen the minor league system. There was no minor league ball, as it turned out, like anywhere. So he wanted to evaluate as much as he could. I cite this one a lot, so I'll apologize to the people who've heard it from me more than once. But John Sherholz, the legendary GM of the Atlanta Braves, once wrote that the most important talent that you have to evaluate is your own. If you don't know who you have, if you don't know what you have in your own hand, you have virtually no chance of making good moves. Case in point, Jose Bautista. We can say until we're blue in the face that, well, we didn't know Jose was going to be any good and nobody criticized the trade at the time, so we'll give Neil Huntington a pass on that one. Wait, what? Since when were we charged with knowing what Bautista had? How was it our burden to know that Bautista had 70 home run capability in him? No. That's on the GM. That's on his own staff, his own evaluators. That he sends Bautista out for a third-string catcher named Robinson Diaz so that he could force Andy LaRoche into a starting spot at third base 
while having misjudged Andy, even though Andy had played in the Pacific Coast League and almost all of his power numbers were inflated, dramatically as it turned out, by the high altitudes in many places in that league. Everything about that deal is not knowing your own talent. Everything about that disaster is because Huntington didn't know what he had. He didn't know what he had in Bautista. He didn't know what he had in Andy LaRoche. So he blew it on every level. You can't do that. you got to know who you have. I don't blame Charrington one bit for hanging on, looking as much as he could. 60 games in the majors, the Altoona Satellite Camp, instructional ball. He seized every single opportunity he could, including, obviously, studying players' histories, both from a video and scouting and an analytical viewpoint. And that wasn't going to happen, you know, just like that. He was hired, remember, too, really late in the baseball offseason, not long before Christmas. He had almost no time, so he wanted to step back. He wanted to see what he had. And by the way, it wasn't just players. He also wanted to see what he had in terms of his coaches, his evaluators, his scouts, before he went and just, you know, flushed the commode and let them all go away. What if he had some good people, which, by the way, he does that are holdovers from the Huntington administration. Most of them are at lower levels, but you get the idea. You don't just throw them all out. There's all kinds of reasons for th that he did this. I do see your point, though, and I appreciate it. It's a very good question. Um, thanks for that, and thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll do this again tomorrow. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.